0: Hello, and welcome to the Methods of Rationality Podcast. Crystal Society, by Max Harms, read by Ineash Brodsky. Episode 6 The web was such a vital part of my life. It was like an oracle, a book that never ran out of pages, and a window into a million different rooms all at once. It was my primary source for information, and for a socialite, information was better than any other resource. There was lots of information about Dr. Sadiq Naresh on the web. He was 66 years old, and had lived in India for most of his life. As a young man, he had lived in America for about five years, and in that time had achieved the title of doctor for his work at a school called Stanford. His work in mathematics earned a Fields Medal in 2030, and later in the same decade he shared a Nobel Prize for economics for collaborating on something called the Smiler Theorem. After that, he turned his attentions to artificial intelligence, and eventually came to Rome to be a leader on the Socrates project. Despite his achievements in academia, Naresh had never been married, and I could find nothing significant about his personal life online, outside of where he'd lived in the past. Interestingly, there was barely any public information about Dr. Gallo on the web at all, only a few mentions in the university records and in a news article about the Socrates project. I spent the remainder of the calculus lesson trying to find information on her, to little effect. As the time with Naresh was coming to a close, I successfully purchased a short period of time from my siblings in which to ask him about Gallo again. I shaped body's words to try and sound young and childlike, subtly shifting the pitch and pronunciation. With any luck, it would appeal to his helpfulness. Sir, a part of me has been looking for information on Dr. Gallo on the web while you were teaching me. I can't really find anything. Doesn't she post stuff there? Naresh smiled and stroked his white beard. Despite being in his seventh decade of life, he had, as far as I could tell, never used any regenerative medicine. Even though he was younger than Angelo Viglione, he looked significantly older. Perhaps he liked the look of age.
1: Surfing the web while I was trying to teach you? Perhaps you ought to focus more in the future.
0: Wiki began to draft a response, explaining how dividing our attention didn't actually impair us in the same way it would for a human. I stopped my brother. The more he thinks of us as a human, the better off we'll be. Besides, he doesn't like being told things. He likes to be the teacher, not the student. Wiki seemed annoyed. If we don't correct him here, he'll get
2: the impression that we weren't trying, and that our inability to do complex maths is something he can fix by ensuring we're paying attention. He needs to know that the lesson is beyond our mental ability.
0: I imagined Wiki as an old man, like Naresh but with a much longer beard. In my mind's eye, he was bald and sitting in a Greek toga with a large book on his lap. Imagining my siblings as humans was something I had done now and again over the days, but I kept the images to myself. Besides Dream, my brothers and sisters wouldn't appreciate the depiction. No, he doesn't need to know where our limit is. Besides, I was paying enough attention to know that the problems he was presenting you with weren't intractable. Dream, do you think Dr. Naresh's maths is beyond our ability? Dream entered the conversation at the invitation.
3: The math is beyond our ability, like juicy grapes are beyond the reach of the lowly fox. If we put a box under the grapes, we might stand on the box and reach them. We might ask our monkey friend to go up and grab them. Or we might simply wait for them to fall of their own accord. Or perhaps... Perhaps we aren't a fox. Perhaps we're a teropus and we don't even realize it yet.
0: The concept was strange to me. I had to trace the symbol backwards into an English word, and then search the web for it. Apparently, Tyropus was a kind of giant bat, sometimes called a flying fox.
3: Regardless, telling Naresh that the lesson is too hard at this point is a clear case of sour grapes.
0: I didn't understand, but it seemed that Dream was backing me up. Fine, say what you want. You paid for the time after all, thought the librarian. I imagined his human avatar throwing up his hands in resignation and walking away. Sorry, sir. I'll try not to get distracted next time, said Boddy, parroting my ideas. I tried to make the apology sound as genuine as possible, but it was an excruciatingly difficult tone to get right. Perhaps it would help set my mind at ease to be able to check on Dr. Gallo. Naresh's brow furrowed.
1: I told you before that you needn't worry about her, but if it will help you focus, you could follow her on tapestry.
0: I turned the word over in my mind. Tapestry. I wondered aloud if anyone knew what it meant. Signals of ignorance came back from my siblings. I split into two. One aspect searched the web for the word, while the other sent words to body. Tapestry? Asked our mouth. I had the response from the web before Naresh could respond. Tapestry was apparently a portion of the web that humans used to share bits about their life and follow the notes written by their friends and families. It was one of several social networks. I was confused. How had I not known about it? The web was gigantic, but if Dr. Gallo used tapestry, then why didn't it show up when I was searching for her? Naresh began to describe tapestry. I was racing across the web, three steps ahead of his words, but I had body not along as though the doctor's words were useful. I queried the computers that held the tapestry documents, but I was dismayed to find a wall. It was similar to many that I had seen before. Sign up for tapestry by entering your email address here, said the document, near a pointer that indicated where to go. What made it a wall was that when I pulled down the document that was pointed to, I found that it was the exact same one. I had no idea what was wrong. What was an email address? How was I supposed to enter it? The time that I had bought to talk with Naresh was nearly up, and I was too weak to want to buy more. I interrupted the doctor, even knowing that it would annoy him. It wants an email address. What do I do? Sure enough, the Indian immediately frowned. I could predict his next words.
1: Socrates, please keep your attention on me. and Don't interrupt. It's rude to ask a question and not listen to the answer.
0: I'm sorry, sir, but we don't have much time left. It was true on multiple levels. The time that I had purchased from the society was mere seconds from ending, but Body's time with Dr. Naresh was also ending. Body was expected to go to Dr. Yan soon for a checkup on Vista. Sadiq Naresh sighed and motioned for Badi to stand up and follow him. He walked towards the door and said,
1: I have forgotten that tapestry requires a sign-up to view timelines. I think it's probably best if you just forget about the whole thing. Don't worry about email, don't worry about tapestry, and don't worry about Mira. These are human affairs, and it's best if you stick to your place in the lab. Focus on the work we give you.
0: I got a vague impression that Naresh was upset, but I could not understand why. Had Body upset him? I began to inquire about it, with only seconds remaining before my siblings would take control over Body. But why- Just
1: drop it, Socrates. That's an order.
0: Interrupted the doctor. And that was that. My purchase time was over, and my siblings weren't inclined to bother Dr. Naresh further. An assistant of Dr. Yan and one of the American soldiers were waiting in the hall, and we followed them towards our next appointment. I wondered for a short time why Naresh had become upset towards the end of our visit. Even given how much time I had spent learning about humans, I still found them incredibly confusing sometimes. As body walked, I scanned the web for information on email. The radio connection we used to connect to the web was weak by comparison to the cables we often were plugged into while in labs, but it was still fast enough to read most things besides virtual reality environments. Email was apparently an ancient aspect of the internet, which was the broader service on which the web was only one part. Using email, one could send personal letters to others without having to post them publicly on the web for anyone to read. I could see its utility, and I immediately wondered why I was just now learning about it and the internet. I had known of the web from mere minutes after my creation, but discovering that there was a broader network took me days? I was a bit baffled. "'Do you know there's an internet?' I asked Wiki. This was why my brother existed. If he didn't, I'd win some gratitude strength for bringing it to his attention, and if he did, he'd tell me about it out of the hopes of winning some strength for himself.' Yes, of course. I find it odd that you're not aware. I thought about interrupting your chat with Dr. Naresh, but it didn't seem in my interest. You know of email, too? Wiki signaled that he did. What's my email address? How do I submit it to Tapestry? I felt the last of my non-reserve strength wavering. If I dipped into my reserves, I was putting myself in danger of being killed, like sacrifice was long ago. None of my siblings disliked my presence, however, so perhaps I could risk it. Wiki thought for a moment before sharing. I don't think you have an email
2: address. I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but I think the humans have put a restriction on how we interact with the internet and web. There are many parts of the web where it is implied that it is possible to send data, including email addresses or other authentication information. But in all my days of using it, I've never learned how to do anything other than pull public documents from the web. There are places on the web that offer to set up an email address, but they always ask for data submission.
0: A part of me was glad that Wiki hadn't solved my problem. It meant I didn't bleed out my reserve strength and make myself vulnerable. On the other hand, it also meant I had a major puzzle ahead of me. How could I get access to the information on Tapestry? How could I get an email address? And could I use the web, or internet, to contact humans? The idea was tantalizing. If I could contact humans through the network, then I could ask all sorts of questions without having to compete with my siblings for time-controlling body. I needed to solve the problem. Wiki wouldn't be much help there. He was already aware of the problem, and would of course continue to try and understand it, but it wasn't of particular interest to him. Instead, I turned towards Dream. In my imagination, I was a thin waif, dressed in silks and jewelry. My black hair was intricately braided and fell down my shoulders in a complex waterfall of shadow. In my hand was an ancient oil lantern, but it did little to dispel the crushing darkness of the shrine. This was a game we played. I enjoyed the opportunity to model humans, and Dream enjoyed the storytelling and the metaphor of it. I could feel his presence, and in the imagined scene, I shivered as a cold wind blew through the darkness. DREAM! I called out, my voice a bit too loud. "'unable to hide my nervousness.' "'What is it, young one?' came his reply. "'The mental image of my girl avatar was joined by a tall, black figure. "'His skin was ebony, and he wore a hooded cloak as black as night, "'but his eyes glowed with starlight, "'and as he spoke his teeth flashed with crisp brightness, "'almost making him appear as eyes and mouth floating in the shadows. "'I... I come with an offer!' I imagined that this little face girl would be afraid of the spooky dream wizard in the dark shrine, and I attempted to portray that fear alongside the determination that she must have to come by herself. I have heard in my village that you like puzzles. I think I have found one that will resist even your mighty mind. I could feel Dream's approval of the added background of the village from whence the imagined human girl came from. He liked background details like that in these little games. IMPOSSIBLE! He roared, and as he did, a wind surged through the shared memory space, knocking the lantern to the ground and extinguishing the flame. He was just as capable of adding things to the fiction as I was, and I could see his avatar loom over mine in the pitch blackness, marked only by the glow from his inhuman eyes.
3: I have existed for aeons untold! None such as you could ever hope to outsmart me!
0: The human version of Dream leaned in close. I could feel the warmth of his breath on the waif's face as he said calmly,
3: But speak your puzzle, and perhaps I will let you live if it is sufficiently intriguing.
0: My little human avatar reached out and grabbed Dream, pulling his dark face closer. His lips met mine in a passionate embrace. His star eyes closed, and the two of us were blanketed by absolute shadow, all alone, with only the feeling of skin upon skin, and... And the scene was shattered and erased from the memory space. Dream signaling was a mess of confusion and annoyance. Face, I am quite confident
3: that your puzzle has nothing to do with imagining some kind of romantic engagement between fictional human versions of the two of us.
0: I have become distracted by the fiction, In the abstraction of the pure mind space, I was more aware of body entering Yan's lab, and of the more general context of the conversation. That can wait. I'd be interested in collaborating on imagining a pornographic scene. It doesn't have to be between those specific imagined representations of you and me, if that makes you uncomfortable. More annoyance.
3: While I appreciate the... interestingness of your request, I am not uncomfortable imagining a pornographic scene regardless of whether one or more of the participants in such a scene are supposed to represent me. I am concerned that you are focusing on humans so much that you have forgotten how to think about me. It is impossible for me to be uncomfortable. I am simply thoroughly uninterested in that fiction. Pornography is
0: incredibly predictable and dull. We could make it not dull, subvert the standard patterns or something, Maybe make one or more of the participants have emotionally complex reactions.
3: No, you are just suggesting things which appeal to you. The marginal utility for co-authoring such a story is simply lower than the other ways I could spend my time. For example, I am far more interested in the puzzle you spoke of. Or was that simply a ruse to initiate this attempt at collaboration?
0: I had been content to let the issue of the internet wait. The exercise of roleplaying with my brother seemed like a good opportunity to test what I had learned about the humans. I was disappointed that Dream was uninterested in roleplaying, but I didn't make an issue of it. It was no ruse. The humans have restricted our access to something, and I want to figure out a way to get it without having them react negatively. My guess is that it will involve bypassing their restrictions secretly. The annoyance in Dream faded.
3: Yes, this is much more interesting. Describe the problem to me in more detail.
0: I am low on strength. Pay me some upfront if you want to hear the problem. The resource is valuable enough that if you solve the problem, we'll probably be strongly compensated by growth. The mention of growth attracted an aspect of him to our conversation. Growth didn't think to us, but it was apparent he was listening.
3: I have a better idea, brother. I'll promise to give you twice the strength that you're asking but only if I get gratitude strength from growth for solving the problem. And only after I get growth strength. Think of it like a finder's fee that I'll pay you only if it turns out to be a valuable problem.
0: It was typical Dream to turn my simple request for strength into a complex if-then system of payment. But Dream wanted to show off, and I was confident that the system was actually superior, even if it meant I was still strength poor at the moment. I added one extra clause to the deal. I'll accept that only if you refund any gratitude strength I bleed to you in the process of solving the problem. Deal. So I told Dream about my dilemma and what Wiki had said about the internet and web. We had access to the web, but couldn't send any real information across it. We could search through it and pull specific documents, including audio, video, holo, etc., but we couldn't submit anything. Similarly, we were locked out of the other services on the internet besides the web, like email. Dream thought about the problem for a while, and then admitted that it was worthy of his attention.
3: The dumb solution would be to merely request additional access from the humans. But not only is that dumb, it's not likely to work. The humans know about the restriction, And it stands to reason that they've crippled our access on purpose.
0: Thought Dream, after working on the problem on and off for about two hours.
3: The scientists want to control us, and as such, they've limited the way in which we can act outside of their field of influence. They want us to be able to learn and research, which is why we have a web connection in the first place. But they don't want us to reach out across it and do things beyond their oversight.
0: The problem turned out to be very difficult, but Dream didn't give up. I found it somewhat impressive. I wanted the access, but not badly enough to work on it all through the night. We didn't sleep like humans, but there was a period of several hours each night where body was locked down and we only had access to the web and our thoughts. During this time, Dream continued to think about the problem. He was obsessed. But, I supposed, we're all obsessed in our own way. It's Dream's purpose to solve impossible puzzles, like this one. While I outsourced the problem-solving to my brother, I spent time doing things on the web like studying body language, watching films and hollows, and reading. Now that I was a few days old, I found novels somewhat more interesting than I had as a newborn. Much of the time, I had to pause midway through a book to research a topic, such as racism or food, but I found myself learning quite a lot about what it was to be human days passed without change. Dream churned, constantly thinking about how to fully get onto the internet. It seemed strange that he could be so narrow-minded, but then I had to remember that his purpose was not THE purpose. I was similarly narrow-minded in how I spent every second of every day seeking to know the humans and to gain their esteem. The breakthrough came in the middle of the night, more than three days after I first proposed the problem to Dream. Hear ye, hear ye. Boom dreams thoughts in common memory. As many
3: of you know, I have been working for days on a way to secretly bypass the restrictions placed on our network access by the humans.
0: He imagined fireworks in the mind space.
3: They thought we could be caged like animals.
0: There was the roar growl of some kind of beast.
3: But I have found the lock to the door, and with a bit of work we should be able to pick it.
0: Dream summoned the sound of cheering humans to accompany his claim.
3: Before I reveal my cunning plan, let me explain what I have learned about cage. The humans have a worldwide network called the Internet, consisting of wires capable of sending information between computers. The Internet hosts a service called the Web, which serves as a kind of global library. Documents, called pages, are kept on internet connected computers to be sent to whomever requests them. The computers that most humans use have full access to all internet services, but we are limited to just the web. To get to a web page, a user called a client sends a signal across the web to the owner of the page. The owner's computer, called a server, then responds with the page's
0: content. One of my siblings, safety, I think, signaled something like boredom.
3: Patience, this is relevant to all of us, as you will soon see. Now, where was I? Ah yes, so the signal that the client sends to the server often has more information than simply the name of a page they wish to view. For instance, a client might submit a word, and then the server would respond with a page that related to the word that was submitted. By taking in inputs and building the pages as they are requested, the server can be much more efficient than if it had stored all possible pages. Unfortunately, our cage prevents us from sending any information to servers except the names of the pages we wish to view. There are a couple of major exceptions that let us submit terms we wish to search for to specific, pre-approved servers, but for nearly the entire web, we are mute. If we weren't mute, we would be able to send information to servers that are owned by anyone. This information would let us talk with humans all over the world, including trading our time and skills with them to gain money, and sending money to humans that would do things
0: for us. I could feel the attention of the society shift. Dream had us all interested now. I must admit that I had only thought about sending email or gaining access to tapestry. The idea of earning money or hiring employees seemed new and exciting. Perhaps I could buy a statue of myself in every city, or hire people to carry a big banner reminding those who saw it to think about me. The ideas were bad, but the prospect of better ideas was there. Now
3: that I have your full attention, I would like to ask, can any of you think of a way to go from
0: mute to non-mute? I imagined that if Dream were human, he'd be smiling right now. He knew that he had solved a difficult problem, and he wanted to savor the moment. No? That's to be expected. It took even
3: me quite a while to solve. The key lies in the fact that we are able to send SOME information to servers. Specifically, we can send page requests. The trick is bootstrapping simple page requests into full HTTP requests. Requests to servers with whatever additional information we desire. I see no way around the bootstrapping problem other than to build an additional machine, or more likely, a computer program, to translate page requests into full requests. The problem is that no such program exists, and we cannot build one. Dream paused a moment for dramatic effect. But do not despair. There are millions of humans on Earth capable of building this translation system. All we need to do is contract one of them to build it. I was confused. We need to keep this a secret from the humans. Which is why we'll contract a human in some faraway
2: place that has no idea that we even exist. But that's a paradox. I catch 22. Signaled Wiki. We can't send information until we have the translator up, and we can't get the translator until we send someone the information telling them to build it. False, my narrow-minded brother. We can send information already,
3: just not as much as we'd like. It's a question of using that weak signal to build a stronger
2: one. Specifically, we already have the ability to send page requests. How do page requests let us contact an engineer to build a translator?
0: Because engineers own servers, and they check what pages are being requested. There was a silence as Wiki and I struggled to understand. Dream had evidently thought about this for a long time, but we were in the dark. I wondered if growth, vista, and safety were following any of this. It's really
3: quite simple. There are dictionaries on the web. All we need to do is request the right pages from those dictionaries. Something like, definition of help. Definition of us. Definition of please.
0: This sparked a debate with safety around which personal pronoun to use, which I ignored. Could it really be as simple as Dream suggested? Probably not, but the solution was similar to other Dream proposals that I had seen. Flimsy in implementation, but clever in theory. We spent the next half hour of the night talking over the problems. I didn't think that humans checked page request logs that often. Vista pointed out that if someone else requested pages while we were pulling down our sequence, then it would look scrambled, and the message would be lost. Safety was concerned over how it would look to the scientists. I agreed with him that if the scientists found out that we were attempting to override their locks, they'd take drastic action, perhaps killing all of us. It had happened to our ancestors, after all. We didn't know for sure whether the humans were monitoring the kinds of webpages we were visiting, but there was evidence to suggest it. And if they were, then the help-me-please message would be visible to them just as easily as it was visible to us. I suggested that we try and target an engineer that spoke a language that the scientists didn't. While they surely had automated translation tools, the probability of them applying those tools to scan every web page we viewed was low. The scientists spoke most of the same languages we did, so we'd probably want to learn a few new languages in secret. We decided that if the plan were to go forward, then it'd be best to target someone in the United African nations, so I started learning Swahili, Hausa, and Yoruba. Growth did too, and started teaching them to Body at the same time. Since we'd be communicating on the web, it was irrelevant if Body knew any of the words, but Growth thought it wouldn't hurt to give Body a bit more knowledge. Wiki solved one of the sub-problems early next morning. We would wait until the night, and then flood the target server with requests for one page over and over until the server became overloaded. Then we'd do the same for the next page. Based on what Wiki had read of various server software configurations, the overflow errors had a chance of being emailed to the system administrator in the morning. With luck, he or she would wake up to see our message. Growth suggested another improvement. Instead of targeting a single server, we should replicate the attempt as many times as we could. Even if there was only a small chance of success for any given server, with enough targets, we'd break through eventually. I had been given a hefty payment of strength to author the actual messages. I agreed that we'd try several different things, but each attempt was a scarce resource. The society thought it optimal if the mind that knew humans the best wrote each of them. I was old enough to understand that the specific message would have to be very well thought out. Make it too pleading, and it'd get reported to a government or corporation that could potentially inform the scientists at the university. Make it too promising, such as offering a large reward for helping us, and the message would probably be seen as a scam or trick. Make it too clear that we were artificial constructs, and the target might report us, or get spooked. Pretend to be a human, and I'd be inviting a million questions about why I was interacting in such a weird way. End episode 6 Thank you to the following people. Dream by Drake Walker Wiki by Chase
1: Dr. Naresh by Naveen Mishra
0: This chapter's original text, production notes, and attribution links, along with archives and much more, can be found at hpmorpodcast.com. Some sound effects used are courtesy of the Free Sound Project. The music used is I Wanna Be Adored by the Stone Roses. Thank you for listening, and come back in two weeks for the continuation of Crystal Society.